India has rejected Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's accusation that it was involved in the killing of Sikh activist Hardeep Singh Ninjar. Meanwhile, the United Kingdom is refusing to wade into the dispute. The One Million March for Children takes place today, as parents across Canada protest gender ideology in schools. Some poor financial news for Canadians as Canada's inflation rate reached 4% in August. Hello Canada, it's Wednesday, September 20th, and this is True North's Daily Brief. I'm Cosmin Georgia. And I'm Lindsay Shepard. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. India's government has rejected Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's accusation that it was involved in the killing of Sikh activist Hardeep Singh Nijar. The rejection comes after the Trudeau government ejected a senior diplomat on Tuesday and said that an investigation was underway into the Indian government's role in the June shooting of Nijar outside a Sikh temple in Surrey, British Columbia. Nijar was shot by two masked gunmen whose identities remain unknown. India responded by expelling a senior Canadian diplomat Tuesday. Speaking to reporters on Tuesday, Trudeau demanded that India takes the matter seriously. One of the things that is so important today uh, is that India and the government of India take seriously uh, this matter. Uh, It is extremely serious and it has uh, far-reaching consequences in international law and otherwise. For Canada, as I said yesterday, We're going to remain calm, we're going to remain grounded in our democratic principles and values, we're going to follow the evidence and make sure uh, that the work is done to hold people... Why did you go public with this now? Over the course of the summer, uh, we have been uh, working closely with our intelligence agencies um, who are uh, moving forward in their analysis. We wanted to make sure uh, that we had uh, solid grounding in uh, understanding what was going on in analysis and indeed in facts. We wanted to make sure we were taking the time uh, to talk with our allies, to share what we knew. We wanted to make sure that we fully shared with the government of India uh, the seriousness and the depths of our uh, preoccupations and indeed conclusions. Uh, But uh, Canadians have a right to know and uh, need to know when things are are going on like this, and that's uh, why we made the decision uh, to do this. Meanwhile, the government of the United Kingdom is treading carefully regarding the dispute between Canada and India. According to a spokesperson for UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, Britain will still move forward with trade talks with India despite the accusation. Further, Conservative leader Pierre Polyev is calling on Trudeau to provide more facts on the matter. He also compared the dispute to China interfering in Canadian matters. On the issue of India, does Canada need to change its relationship with India in light of the intelligence the Prime Minister shared yesterday? The Prime Minister needs to come clean with all the facts. We need to know all the evidence possible so that Canadians can make judgments on that. They just expelled an Indian diplomat. Should they do more in response to this news? I think we need to see more facts. Um, the Prime Minister hasn't provided any facts. Uh, he, uh, he provided a statement, um, and I will just emphasize that he, he didn't tell me any more in private than he told Canadians in public, so we want to see more information. What is the risk if he doesn't provide more information or these allegations are found somehow to be untrue or uncredible? What is the risk? 
real. Well, what specific information, what specific facts do you think Canadians and yourself need to know in this situation? We need to have uh, the evidence that drew, the, that allowed the Prime Minister to come to the conclusions he made yesterday. government's decision to go public with the intelligence, and if so, why? Sorry, I didn't hear you. Do you agree with the government's decision to go public with the intelligence, and if so, why? I would, I would have to have more uh, evidence to make a, a judgment on that. Okay. I do find it interesting that he knew about vast foreign interference by Beijing for many years at the same time as Beijing had kept two Canadian citizens hostage, and he said nothing and he did nothing. Just very, very interesting that, that that was the approach he took in that case. So I think with this story, the timing of it and the explosive nature of these allegations is quite strange. About a week ago, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was in India at the G20 summit. And then he comes back to Canada and makes this huge foreign policy claim that the Indian government was allegedly involved in an assassination on Canadian soil. To make such a big allegation you would think that the evidence would be up front but it doesn't seem to be the case why hasn't trudeau provided more details on this matter lindsay cosman when you read about nijar and his life it all seems so fishy and the prime minister isn't being upfront with canadians about this nijar was reportedly informed by CSIS that his life was at risk, and Global News said Nijar was on the no-fly list, there are a lot of terrorism accusations, and there are many questions about this case. There were claims early on that Nijar didn't have Canadian citizenship, but then Immigration Minister Mark Miller tweeted yesterday that he did receive citizenship in 2015, but Nijar had made two unsuccessful attempts prior to that. He tried to move into Canada in 1997 by filing a refugee application with the fake name Ravi Sharma, and just kind of a questionable story about why he's a refugee, why he would be applying for refugee status. And when he was rejected, 11 days later, he said he married a Canadian citizen. Um, so a woman had sponsored him, but the Canadian government considered this a marriage of convenience and they rejected it because that woman was sponsored the year prior to another man. But anyways, somewhere along the way, in 2015, he becomes a citizen. So it makes me wonder, Cosman, in Canada, we've seen now, okay, an alleged assassination in Surrey, British Columbia, at the hands of the Indian government, apparently. We've seen Eritrean factions throwing sticks at each other, throwing rocks at each other in Calgary. And of course, we have Chinese foreign interference here. And so you do wonder, is it even safe for Canadians who are not part of these groups to be speaking about this? I live in a community where I see Khalistan flags every day, actually. And so I do wonder, is it even safe for me to be speaking about this matter? You're right. You know, you do see some of these foreign conflicts uh, playing out, not just in Canada, but in other countries with like the Eritrean and the Sikh issue. You do see these protests flaring. And I read recently that the Indian government has pressured other countries like Australia and the United States to act on these potentially violent protests. So I think the best policy here is honesty and showing Canadians the intelligence that led to this conclusion because if it's just all smoke and mirrors and this cloud of mystification, then Canadians really don't know who to trust 
Is the Indian government telling the truth or is our prime minister telling the truth? Protests against gender ideology in publicly funded schools will be taking place in communities across Canada today, as more parents grow frustrated with controversial sex ed teachings. The marches are being organized in part by Muslim parents who have been increasingly disillusioned with school teachings on gender and sexuality. The protests will take place across Canada at 9 a.m. local time, with organizers urging participants to pull their kids out of school for the day. Organizers hope the wave of protests and absences will, quote, unite people for a noble cause to safeguard children from gender ideology teachings, sexual indoctrination, exposure to explicit sexual content, and ensuring that parental consent remains paramount. Protests will be held in front of Parliament Hill in Ottawa, at Queen's Park in Toronto, in front of the Quebec Premier's Montreal office, at the Harry Hayes Government Building in Calgary, in front of the Alberta Teachers Association Building in Edmonton, and in front of City Hall in Vancouver, among other cities. Hands Off Our Kids has partnered with other groups, including Windsor Parents United, Mama Bears, Parents for Parents' Rights, Veterans for Freedom, Durham Parents United, the Campaign Life Coalition, and Don't Delete Parents. Counter-protests are expected as Ontario union leaders have pledged to disrupt the protest in a leaked Zoom call. Cosman, True North is going to be on the ground at these protests in Toronto, Ottawa, Edmonton, and of course Vancouver, where you and I will be. Are you expecting anything in particular from these protests? I think the main thing is that these protests are nationwide, and I expect them to be pretty sizable and big. Depending on where you will be at, you will see different sizes of crowds on both sides of this situation. The other angle of this is that there are so many groups involved in organizing protests at the same location at the same time. So there might be an element of, you know, disorganized, you know, people showing up, not really certain of where to go at what time. But I, I definitely expect there to be a huge turnout. This is a hot topic issue. And I think a lot of parents have been awakened to some of the gender ideology and content we've seen in schools that's been reported in the media. And the other angle is the legacy media, I, I, I really want to see how they're going to cover this. My prediction is it's going to be very biased. They're going to paint parents, concerned parents, as bigots, as transphobes, you know, people who are full of hate, when in reality, the issues at hand here are very important for ordinary people. Increased gasoline prices have brought Canada's inflation rate up to an annual pace of 4%, according to a Consumer Price Index report published by Statistics Canada on Tuesday. The basis for the annual rate rose by 0.7% as a direct result of rising fuel costs. Last month, gas prices shot up by 4.6% and have risen by 0.8% compared to the same time period from last year. Increased costs to fuel prices have a rippling effect on the price of almost all other goods as it increases their cost of production and transportation. For example, the cost of shelter increased by 6% from January to August, going up from 5.1% in July. The cost of rent increased on average by 6.5% across Canada. On the other hand, the cost of food has decreased from a high of 11% last year to 6.9% in 2023. 
Yet, high prices at the grocery store have been a serious problem for Canadian families, with many being forced to spend a large portion of their earnings on food. Food banks have also had issues meeting demand with understocked supplies and a dwindling amount of donors. On Monday, Industry Minister François-Philippe Champagne met with executives from some of Canada's biggest grocers to discuss what can be done to stabilize food costs. Champagne said the grocers have agreed to work alongside the federal government to ensure stability with food pricing. However, he provided few details on how said stabilization would be implemented. So, Lindsay, Statistics Canada puts out these reports every month, and we read them in the news, and there are a lot of numbers involved. But ordinary Canadians are feeling this in very real ways. Right, Cosman. Well, we see the figure 4%. But for example, I was at Walmart the other day and I was looking for diapers, a box of diapers, because for those who don't know, Cosmin and I are actually married and have two children. <laughs> um, and the brand that I usually buy, Hello Bello, usually that box of diapers at Walmart is either $19.97 or $22.97, sometimes $21.97. Their pricing is a little hit and miss, which I would, I would consider reasonable enough. And then I was there two days ago and the price jumped to $26.97. And obviously that's a lot more than 4%. And I think when it comes to the carbon tax, I would say, yeah, I don't think corporations should be free to pollute the air. I think that's awful. I really care about animal habitats and all that. But at the same time, I'm not ignorant to the fact that yes, transportation and production costs will go up and that will have a rippling effect on prices. That's it for today, folks. Don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. Plus, The Andrew Lawton Show will be live today at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. If you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. 